Level up your life, love, health and wealth. Sounds good to me. I'm in. Roll the tolls. Bonjour and welcome to the More Way Thinking podcast hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every Monday, where we speak to extraordinary individuals. Invi- individuals such as Kevin Palmieri, who's on the show today. Now, Kevin and his friend Alan run Next Level University podcast, among many other things, and they talk about um, a no BS approach. Love BS, we love it on the show, uh, to holistic self improvement for entrepreneurs among many other things but the main thing is Kevin is a great person and positive and we have a great chat pull things apart on the show and you're really going to enjoy it now remember uh, only four rules on the show I nearly forgot then (laughs) it's been a long week Uh, one no bullshitting BS two no judging three no negativity and four have fun which we always do and we do on this show speaking to the brilliant Kevin so enough of me rambling on let's get stuck in Uh, here's my interview with the brilliant Kevin. So welcome to more way of thinking this um, very sort of, well, it was snowing a minute ago and then it was sunny uh, this afternoon. And I am with the one and only very special guest. It's Kevin, pa- Kevin Palmieri. Welcome, Kevin. Lou, thank you so much for having me. If our conversation behind the scenes is any indication of how it's going to go, we're going to be just fine today. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, when uh, sometimes I'll do a podcast and the foot, you go on to him and you can tell someone's having a bad day. I'm like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> gonna have to think of some good questions here because it could go <laughs> right downhill have you ever any, i know you do your own podcast have you ever had any like that oh yeah of course i mean we've had we're we're blessed because we're at the stage now where we we have a pretty good idea of who the guest is before they come on because we're a big enough show but we've had interviews where we went an hour and a half all the way through and we got to the end and said, this cannot see the light of day. Yeah. This cannot see the light of day. So we've probably had three of those out of the hundreds of interviews. So we've been yeah. pretty lucky, but yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard. The, the, the interesting thing is people can be very different behind the scenes. Mm, yeah. uh, my goal is when you and I get off here for you to be like, yep, Kevin's the same in front of yeah. the camera as he is behind, but not everybody is that way. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose the good thing for me, and I've done a lot as well, is 99% of people are, you know, like you say, are, are pretty good. You will get yeah. the odd one. I have had some really interesting ones, though. I was speaking to a, a massive cannabis um, farmer in, in America, um, and I can't name his name, and we did an interview, and straight after his lawyers contacted me mm. and said, you can't you can't post that podcast <laughs> because there was some legal issues. So so I remember that one. The guy yeah. was lovely, but we just couldn't. And it was a shame because it was a fascinating insight, you know, because he was into medicinal cannabis and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really interesting, but couldn't post it. So um, there are interesting ones out there. Yeah, we had one of those two. We had Did one you? of those two. Yeah. What was it? Can you divulge out? a little bit? What was it? I don't. It was some sort of. It was real estate. The person we had on was big in real estate, like one of the more successful real estate companies in the country. And afterwards, he reached out and said, hey, there's some things I said that we have to remove before we launch it. And we said, yeah, whatever. It it is what it is. We understand. But you're going to get those. You're going to get those. Yeah, you are. You are. You are. And I had another one where we spoke about, this was with a cinematographer and he'd done some filming in Saudi Arabia. 
And we talked about that. And obviously, Saudi Arabia, you know, is, is a hot topic, quite political. And mm. uh, afterwards, he said, you're going to have to cut all that out. He said, I yeah. can't risk it. You know, if that, that's the thing with social media, it can travel across the world and it lands on the wrong desktop. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. it. This is this. When we talk on these things, that's it. We can't get away from it if it's right. it's posted. Yeah, um, it's there it's, forever. It, it's scary, but it's also a beautiful thing as well. I think that we yeah. can just be honest with ourselves. Yeah, and, unless you're Will Smith and you slap someone, then yeah, that's a that's a whole. That's I mean, that's going to live forever. That's a that's never going to go away. That is the ultimate, isn't it? Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so I always talk to my guests, when I first start, I talk about where they're from. You're an American. I've never interviewed anyone from Worcester. Worcester, Worcester is it? Worcester? <laughs> How's it pronounced? It's pronounced Worcester, is how right. it's pronounced. Okay. Like we, Worcester, Worcestershire sauce. Yeah, because we've got, we've got one over here as well, and it's spelt slightly different. Yeah. Uh, so tell me something, because I haven't got a clue you know, anything, I've never heard of anything about it. Tell me something interesting about it and, and a bit about. Oh man. Um, it's the second biggest city in Massachusetts. Hmm. That's pretty much it. There's oh, a, it? there's a, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Probably not. There's a seltzer company called Polar, Polar Seltzer. Their oh, okay. headquarters are in Worcester, Mass. So that's oh. probably the most interesting thing to come out of Worcester, Massachusetts, I would say. Yeah, so why are you why are you situated there? Is it where you were where you were born or is it just you fell into it? So I actually grew up a half hour south of, of Worcester. I was raised in a town called Uxbridge. And oh, I don't know, I just my buddy moved in to Worcester, so I moved into Worcester. Then we got a podcast studio in Worcester because it's it's close enough to Boston where, say, somebody big came to do an event in Boston. They might swing through Worcester and stop for an interview. That was kind of our, yeah. our thought process. And Boston yeah. is just outrageously expensive when it comes to studio space. Yeah, yeah. But even then, that never ended up panning out the way we thought it was going to because everything went virtual. Mm, and yeah, yeah. now everything is – it doesn't make any sense logistically or financially yeah. to have a space to interview people when I can just say, Hey, here's a link, show up here from wherever you are in the yeah. world. And we'll just, we'll just do it. You know, it, it's, it's yeah. changed a lot because of COVID. Well, yeah, it has. And it's, you know, you have to try and take the positive out of COVID because it is horrendous yeah. and some poor people have lost their lives. But I think that's one of the things, especially exactly the same with this podcast is that you can connect with people like yourself all over the world. And it, while I miss face-to-face, -face, mm. uh, I would never have spoken to you otherwise. So, mm. you know, it's, it's a massively positive thing. But what resonates with me a little bit about where you are is I'm in the middle of England, if you imagine England in the middle. And it's similar to us, really, that where nothing really goes on here where we are, but we're near, uh, you know, a major city. We're an hour away from London. So you can still travel there, but you, like I say, the costs of rental space yeah. or living there is through the roof. So I think it's nice to have that available if you want it. But sort of home is quite a nice, you know, relaxing place yeah. where, because London is, uh, I guess, in, in a lot of major cities, it's 100 miles an hour in London, you know? Yeah. I visited, oh man, probably like six or seven years ago, I think, I visited London. Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever been out of the country. And yeah. 
I enjoyed it very much, but I'm, I am such a homebody. Yeah. I don't like being out in public. I don't like fast yeah. things. I don't like laugh. I just like being at home in my space. It's either office couch or bed is, is kind of the way I live. So yeah. for me, it was, it was a little bit faster than I was used to. And I remember thinking to myself, there is no way I could drive on these roads. There is way too much going on. I don't know what's what. So <laughs> luckily we didn't have to. I'm, I'm yeah. blessed I didn't have to. Yeah. And I, and I get that because if I go to London for two or three days, there's an amazing energy. Um, but I'll come home and my, and my wife will say, what's up? And I'm just sort of, you sort of, sort of dehumanizing to, you know, trying to get yeah. back to normal levels of society where, you know, no one's honking the horn or, you know, you've got homeless everywhere. It's, it's a weird feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Some people thrive with that. Yeah. Some people, so I lived in, I lived in Boston, Massachusetts, outside of Boston. It was a, a city called Dorchester and I lived there for a year and it was nice, hmm. but I don't want to have to spend 20 minutes driving down the street yeah. to get pizza or something. For me, it's just, I'm just yeah. a simple creature who likes simple <laughs> things and yeah. that's just too much noise for me. Yeah. It'd be interesting as well to find out sort of the life expectancy of these people mm. that are in that all the time because I can't imagine living in a city, working in a city, so you can't get away from it. You know, the yeah. stress levels must be through the roof and i think i can't imagine people that have worked there for 40 50 years retire and stay in a major city in that in that stress they usually go to the countryside or somewhere peaceful don't they yeah i wonder if you just get used to it mm, if it just yeah. becomes like like everything else because i don't know it's in, we talked about covid a little i know and again covid was this serious thing that so many people have struggled with and it has altered humanity and lives and and so many things for for myself and our business, it helped us because I was able to, I didn't have to say no to going to see people. Mm, it was yeah. just like, I'm going to lock myself in this studio, in the room, wherever I am, yeah. and I'm just going to work on building the business. And that, again, I'm also privileged because I have the opportunity to do that and I have a roof yeah. over my head and all that. But it's it's just interesting how something so drastic one way can affect so many things in other ways as well you know yeah i think that says a lot about you as well and i speak to people and they've tried with covid it's one of those things that affected us all and it's like businesses you can see some small businesses that have crumbled and then others yeah. that have thrived because they've thought you know and it's a perfect example of business isn't it think out the box change the ways, don't get stuck. You know, if you've got to change, I don't like change, well, change. And yeah. these companies that I've seen have thrived, you know, they've done takeaway businesses, things like that, because they can't, whereas other businesses have sat there and thought, oh, let's let's give it a year and we're getting a bit of funding off the government and let's see what happens. And they're usually the ones that moan. Yeah. Um, but the other side is the businesses that are just thrived and say, let's get on with it. And I think it's a brilliant lesson there for business, isn't it? Yeah, I had one of my clients is in the financial services industry. He was, he actually left to do speaking, podcasting and coaching full time. And he did an episode on two different companies Yeah, and they were both in-person networking companies. And one yeah. of them went out of business in six months and the other one found a way to go virtual and make it interesting and make it value add. And they're thriving. They're doing better than they ever have. And it really is 
it is that old thought process of you got you really got to think outside of the box. When everything changes, everything has to change. Mm. And a lot of people just didn't change fast enough, or they didn't know how, or they were already struggling. I think there's a lot of mm. there's a lot of different ways, but I know that one of the things that changed in my mind was I ended up getting more clients and it changed the way I looked at money. I assume that everybody is going to be unreasonably scarce in COVID. Everybody's going to be scarce and they're going to be holding on to everything. And I was, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised, but it definitely raised my awareness to the fact that there is definitely money out there and people are willing to invest money into themselves and their businesses and their podcast or whatever it may be. That really gave me an interesting perspective that I, I didn't intend on getting. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think what some of that has come from people thinking where people maybe have saved quite a lot and been cautious. People mm. have sort of think, thought, fuck it. You know, I know someone who's just died and they've yeah. had their life savings thrown down. You know, it's almost like this has happened over the world. This is world. Um, and it's sort of, to some people, it's brought them alive and they've thought, you know, that thing I always wanted to learn, I can do it online now. Nah, yeah, it costs 500. I'll just pay it. Yeah. You know, and, and it gives you that, that sort of, without being, you know, without selling everything. And, but it, I think people are a lot more attuned to uh, enjoying themselves. You know what I mean? Where people yeah. may have held back. Now you think you've seen pictures on the telly of these poor people dying. I think that's horrendous. And yeah. it triggers, right, I'm going to get that bike I want, I've always wanted or a sports car. <laughs> yeah. For many, I think for many people, this is the closest they've come to perceived sickness or illness or losing their lives. I know that I remember in the very beginning, my fiance and I, we'd get our groceries and we'd wipe everything down with Lysol because that's what you were supposed to do in the beginning. And it was very much like, I don't know what is safe, what isn't. So it made me question everything. And I think that there's something powerful about that. Now, obviously, it doesn't have to be something that serious, but... I think about weird stuff all the time, Lee, oh. that other people, I just don't know if they do. I think when I'm driving down the highway, if I'm in like one of those moods, I just look up and I imagine that if gravity just took the day off, we'd all just float off into space. And that's a very humbling thing to think of. It really yeah. helps to keep you grounded that in the grand scheme of things, all of this is kind of new, mm. really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've had cell phones for what, 30 years? or 20, you know, like computers for 50. It's just, all of this is pretty new. And we're, I think we're just trying to work out the kinks as, as human beings. And it's just interesting when you think of it that way. It's it, the way I thought of it is it's quite a leveler because before I think things were getting out of hand where um, powerful people were becoming more powerful, you know, and there was quite a, a big disparage between wealthy and poor and middle class and all that kind of thing. But when you think, you know, uh, there's someone very famous has got it and died or someone very powerful mm. or, you know, I remember when the queen here got vaccinated, people were saying about the vaccine and she got vaccinated. Well, hold on. I've got, I've got vaccinated. He's got, you know, so it's almost like we're all human beings. And I think we lost that a little bit. And I think COVID's brought that back, um, to everybody's mind that, you know, you're not special, you know, we're all human. You're not yeah. that special because that COVID, whether you get it or not, it doesn't matter how much money you've got, how much mm. power you get that and you're very ill. You put, you're in the same boat as everyone else. Yeah. What, how, what's your experience been like with social media? 
Um, well, I talk about this quite a lot on, on, on the podcast. I think social media is a fantastic thing. You know, we're podcasters, we use it, and, and mm-hmm. I think it's a great, a great idea, isn't it? And I'm, being a, a filmmaker, I've been back in the day where I've had to go to the library. I'm not going to tell you my age, but I am <laughs> now. Um, so I've lived through this revolution of being able to find out anything I want on this screen, you know, look up, read a book on this screen. Yeah. So technology is amazing. I think social media is amazing. As, but as with anything, you're always going to get dickheads. You're always going to get people that are going to misuse it. So I think we have to just filter that out a little bit and try and be responsible. I say, you know, I use social media, I try and responsible, you do. Uh, and then hopefully that small percentage of idiots, you know, will just, will just stay to the side and, and out of the way. Um, but I do think it's, it's so, it's so, I mean, marketing wise, years ago, you'd spend thousands getting PR or marketing. You know, we can put our podcast out on 10, 20 different platforms mm-hmm. throughout the world. So, you know, it's a very positive thing. What, what, what would you ask that? What's your thoughts on it? I've just been thinking a lot recently about uh, my business partner and I, we talked in a school recently. And it's interesting because none of those kids, they were, I think they were all freshmen and sophomore, I think. None of them have ever grown up without this technology. I remember when I got, I got my first flip phone when I was in high school and it didn't have any games. You couldn't go on the internet. It could text, but it was, I remember it cost snake. There was snake. (laughs) It cost $600, I think one month because my texts weren't covered and I just discovered text messages. But I think of it this way, Lee, when you were younger and I, I typically do this from a a female perspective because I think it's more powerful that way, but either way, if you wanted to see somebody who is unreasonably beautiful, like by most human standards, you either watch television or you bought a magazine. Yeah. And now you put your phone on and you're seeing the most attractive, most successful, most in shape, most wealthy, smartest, funniest, most famous people all the time. I think you're kind of always seeing the top 1% of 1% of 1%. And I think it's really, really, really altering people's perspective of what's normal. I like to think of myself as pretty in shape. I'm I'm a very active person. I love weightlifting. If you, if I didn't understand what's going on in social media, I would feel really bad about myself pretty often because I do not look like any of these people, not even close on my best day. So that's why I asked just because, I mean, you are young, obviously. I mean, thirties, I'm saying mid mid (laughs) thirties, you are of the age where at one point, you watch TV and that's where you saw actors and actresses. And I've never really had that because we've always kind of had the internet. So I just, yeah, it just made me, made me wonder. I mean, it's a generational thing as well, because remember we, if we, I've never had it, you know, when I was growing up, so I appreciate it. Whereas my kids have, you know, it's always been on a plate for them. So it's up to me to educate them and say, Instagram, yes, you know it's great but the, it, a lot of it's not real and it's that it's that education or that life learning giving them so they understand that now i know a friend that looks after um 
kids that maybe have, have done wrong or, you know, been in prison or Borstal or whatever it is. And he looks after those. And he has to do a lot of education with their parents because mm. their parents haven't got a clue about social media. So you've got this kid growing up, uh, maybe, you know, in a poor area, you've got drug dealers saying, oh, we'll give you a phone. Here's a laptop. Go on this. We'll, you know, and the parents haven't got a clue because they haven't embraced social media or the internet. So yeah. you've got, not only have you got to educate parents from a generation, but then the generation of parents like, look, you know, I can talk to my kids about it, but if I didn't have a clue about, you know, Instagram or anything like that, God, no, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd be terrified. So I think we've got to take it on board that we've got to educate people. Um, and it's, because Instagram, you know, Instagram, some of the stuff you see on there, you know, mm -hmm. look at the TV programs, the Kardashians. Oh, my God, I could just, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's so dangerous. Yeah, it is. It's dangerous. It is. That's it, why it I didn't, we just started using TikTok. And it's like, at the beginning, I, I just don't want to be on a platform that is just a bunch of people dancing around and, you know, it's just, it's, there's like triggers. It's just triggers all over the place of this person in a bikini, this person doing this, this bodybuilder. And it, it is, it's very, it's very interesting. It's, it's a very interesting time when it comes to that because accessibility is at an all time high and barrier to entry is at an all time low. But like you said, when it comes to making empowering decisions and choices, now is the time. I mean, you can grow a business online for free. And that has never existed before. But you can also get lost down the rabbit hole of whatever other influences are there. It's very interesting. It's an interesting time for it, sure. It is interesting. But I think what makes me uh, quite positive about it is, you know, TikTok's a perfect example. I'll, you'll scroll through your, through your feed. It's, all, it's addictive. Um, yeah. But you'll see one every now and again of real life. Someone making something, putting yeah. their heart and soul into it. Or a react or a, an interaction that's real, and when you see them, you think that's not made up. Someone hasn't thought about that, and you see that it's got millions of views. So I think humanity and people, you know, yes, we can look at all the fake things and want the best things and blah blah blah. But when we see a human interaction or something real, we do we do yeah. spot it and we do enjoy it you know but then you're clouded by 90 percent of crap where you're looking yeah. for a new cap or a coat and <laughs> you know but we do get them bits of goodness i, d I do believe in that definitely yeah. i saw one the other day it was it was this construction company yeah and it was mind-blowing to me because you see houses go up and it's just like oh that's a house and then that's it that's the depth of knowledge that i have and they were framing the, they were doing the foundation and they're showing how they do their cuts. And it was shot in this like really cool cinematic way. And I just went on their page and I was just watching all their videos about construction. And it was like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It just, it brought me in. And I thought to myself, this is really cool. Like what this company is doing is really cool. And then, so I learned, yeah. I actually learned something about contracting and construction that yeah you, you you appreciate the skill that maybe you would never have known about before. yeah i mean there's a guy i've seen that picks up old watches that maybe have buried or burnt 
you know, completely gone. I think he's Japanese because this guy's a wizard. And he'll clean all the parts. He'll take it apart. He'll put it all together. It looks bright. And it's stunning. You think the skill. And you mm. really appreciate it. Maybe we are, we are getting old where, you know, someone's like, <laughs> what are you watching that crap for? Hold on. Do you realise how skilled this man is? Um, but, yeah, it, it, is, it is good for that. But... Um, so anyway, I mean, that's a great conversation. We could talk all day about the internet. But what I'm interested in is how you got into, obviously, you've got the next level university. But was this, because when I talk to people, they seem to say they've uh, had it always as a spark at school. You know, they're always going to be an entrepreneur or a singer mm. or whatever. Or something sparked them later on. Can you tell me a bit about that, how that spark sort of started? Yeah, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do, Lee. When everybody, when all of my friends went away to college after high school, I didn't. I had no idea what my path was. I had no clue. I worked at a gas station. I was a personal trainer, truck driver, forklift operator. I cleaned bathrooms at hospitals. I did a bunch of different things. But one day, I met... So I knew my, my business partner and my co-host, Alan. I knew him because we went to school together. But we, we kind of had a falling out. We were really good friends in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. But during high school, he was very, very smart and very, very confident. And I was very, very insecure. So we did not mix very well. Yeah. But I went to a party after high school. It was, I don't know, I was in my mid-20s. And I went to a party. And Alan was there and him and I hit it off and we started talking and he's like, Hey, I have a podcast. I want you to come on. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll do that. I don't know what we're going to talk about because I don't know anything, but whatever, we'll see what happens. And it kept getting pushed off and pushed off. And I remember I texted Alan one day and I said, Hey man, are we going to do this thing or not? Like, let's do this. I'll come pick you up. We'll go do it today. And after we did it, Alan was in the bathroom and my other friend, Andrew was there. And I said, Andrew, imagine if you could do that for a living. Yeah. And he said, you know, you can, right? And something, something clicked, something unlocked. And I went and, and did a bunch of research. I bought all the equipment. I learned how to audio edit. I, I just figured out what I had to do. And then I started having conversations with people that my, one of my first interviews, so my first one was Alan, but my second one was with my friend, Andrew, who one day at school decided he was going to kill himself. He went into the bathroom and thought, you know what? I'm going to kill myself today. Today is going to be the last day I live. And we talked through that. And I went to the hospital with him that back in, in high school. And, and we just reminisced on that and what it was like and what it felt like. And it was just a powerful episode. And I realized that was making some sort of change. Now, you know, the seven people who are listening, sure, right? It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't anything super successful, but it was, it, it shifted me. It shifted me. And, and it spoke to me about, this is an opportunity for me to do something that I never thought was possible. And looking back, it makes sense. When I was a truck driver, I always used to listen to talk radio. And I used to think to myself, imagine if you could do that for a living four hours a day, you just talk on the radio for four hours a day. That must be the easiest job in the world. It must be awesome. And here we are, however many years later, and now I get to do that. I, I genuinely, I spend more time in front of this microphone than I do anywhere else. And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that episode seven of my show that I created, the Hyperconscious Podcast is what it was called. I sat down and I did an episode saying, I want to wake up when I want, go to sleep when I want, go to the gym, interview people. I want to be my own boss. And here we are 
you know, 930 episodes later. And, and I, I am that now. So it's just, it's awesome. And it helps to keep me grateful and humble because I know that I'm blessed to be doing what I'm doing. It is. It's, it's an amazing platform because for creatives, Mm. um, it's a good way of talking, you know, you know, I'm talking to you, you're interesting. We get on, it's great. Um, but also I think it's good for people that maybe were a little bit, uh, like yourself, you know, you're in that truck, you're on your own. It's very, you know, singular. And, and then all of a sudden you have opened up the world and it's just like, it's almost like going to a, a party where, you know, any, you don't know anybody, mm. you know, and you walk up to someone, someone really popular in the room and start talking. Now, you wouldn't do that. You'd probably stay in the corner and you wouldn't have the guts to. But with podcasting, yeah. you know, we can introduce each other through an email, you know, sort of level what we're doing and what we're up to. And then we can just meet and chat. And there's none of the bullshit of, oh, can I speak to you? There's none of that crap. Yeah. It's just like, let's talk. Let's be interesting. We haven't got to worry about anything because... I noticed you said about the radio, and I used to do a radio show, and I love radio, but you'd be interrupted by music, you had to sit on the fence about everything, you know, yeah. you couldn't swear, because if you swore, you had to apologise, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm just podcast so powerful, isn't it, it's such a great thing, and, and yeah. I recommend, people ask me about it, you know, I've been doing this for, I don't know, a year and a half, no, nowhere near as many episodes as you have, but, and I'd just say, go for it. Just yeah. go, and I say, where'd you get your guests from? I say, There's no excuse. Ask the gardener, or <laughs> you know, next door's binman. Because, ev- and that's the other thing. What I love is everybody's got a story. You know, you could have someone that cleans your car, and you would never have a, any idea of the life he's had. Come on, the podcast, you can find everything out about him. Yeah. And people yeah. are amazing. I like the sport of it. I think that's part of what I like is the sport of. I've always wanted to be as good as I could. Mm. And that's always been a thing for me is like having it, having it was the start. And then I became obsessed with audio quality. It was like, I don't, why is this static happening? I don't like that. How do I fix that? And then it was video and it was video quality. And then it was the studio set up and then it was the teaser clips. And then it was the music. <laughs> and then it was the interview skills of, okay, how do I become the best interviewer I can become? And then how do I become a better guest and a better speaker and a better storyteller? So yeah. it very, it's, it's like anything else. It, it's a sport. There's a sport aspect of you study, you reflect on your previous performance. Why did I strike out? Oh, uh, th- curveball. They threw me a curveball. I, I haven't practiced on curveballs. Awesome. <laughs> now we go to the batting cages and we practice that. And I, I just try to treat podcasting similar. It's a sport. It's a sport to me. Yeah. And it, and I understand that. Whereas with me, my filmmaking is my sport where I try yep. to get everything perfect. This was almost threw it together, you know, and thought, right, let's, let's have a chat. But I do, I do understand that, that it, it's like an obsession, but it's a healthy obsession because my wife will come in and I'll be editing a film or something. And she'll say, you've been there four hours. Are you all right? I'm like, you know, and I'm stressed, but I'm loving it. I'm yeah. loving it because what what better thing is there to do? You know, I could be sat sat in the living room watching shite <laughs> for five hours, um, and you grow, don't you? As a human, you just grow, and you and you look back and you think, "Wow!" I, I mean, that was interesting what you said about sound because I have to deal with that a lot. Um, and I was trying to get hold of a sound engineer for something I did, and I ended up doing it myself. And over a year, 
I became a sound engineer. Now I'm thinking, you know, last year I never thought I'd become good at right. sound. And you learn those things, don't you? Yeah, you learn what you must. You learn what you must. And I, I just, if you want to express yourself, a podcast is a wonderful way. And this is the, the benefit, I think, in the beginning, nobody's going to listen to you anyway. When you're figuring it out, you're not going to have a huge audience that's going to be judging you. I think that we assume that when we start this, people are going to flock to it. And it just, it doesn't work that way. Unless you're somebody who already is somewhat famous or you have a good, you know, social media following. But it's one of the best ways in the world to express yourself. I, I am such an expressed human being because I get to talk on the microphone seven times a week. So every single day we have an episode that drops. That's me expressing myself. That's me getting outside of my comfort zone. That's me learning and growing and contributing. And it just outside of all the business success and relationships and all that, just in terms of a daily practice, it's something that I don't know is understood at the depths that it could be. There's something about you talking about something you love that does something inside of you. Mm, Definitely. And sometimes you can't have these conversations. You know, I'll meet my friends and we have conversations, but it's a different kind of conversation. It's Mm. a different level. You know, whereas I find with like podcasting, you can proper talk about things and, and people will open up and you talk about the past or a past illness. Whereas when, you, when you're with your mates, you're like, you don't want to talk, you talk about the football, yeah. you know, what's going on with the weather. But it give, this gives you a platform to really dig deep and say, you know, what was that? Then? You know, and, and people are very open, um, which, I think, which I think is a great thing. What, what interests me is what you said there is the amount of podcasts that you do. Mm. How do you... Is that something that's grown? Because I do one a week. That's me. You know, I've got lots on my plate, and 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 obviously this is your business, and this is something you've thrown in. Is that something that happened gradually, or is it a case of you said, "Let's do it as a business, one a day, boom"? T- tell me yeah. about that process. Yeah, in the very beginning, just like everybody else, we started with one a week. It was just okay. We're going to do one a week. This is our audience. Let's add as much value as humanly possible. And then I had left my job. Alan left his job a couple of years previously. Right. So I left my job to go all in on this. Alan did previously as well. And we were probably a year in and I said, okay, we got to start making money. I'm running out of money. I've already maxed out all my credit cards. So I don't know what I'm going to do here. And that's when I started doing one-on-one coaching. Alan had already been doing it for a few months or maybe six months. And that started us building the actual business. Then we said, okay, one episode's kind of easy for us at this point, because this is all we do, right? This is my job. So let's do two episodes. And we, okay, cool. We, so we started doing two episodes. We do a solo and a guest. And then, you know, probably six months later, we said, all right, two, cool. Let's, let's do this. Let's do three episodes. And then one of our mentors, I think on episode 100, he challenged us to do another one. He said, you guys are, you're playing small, like do more. <laughs> and we're like, all right, cool. So then we jumped up again. And then I think we jumped from four to six. And then we were like, we're doing six. We might as well just do seven <laughs> at this point. But it was always when, I won't say when we felt ready, because I don't think we ever felt ready, but we knew we were capable of it. Mm. That's the thing is we knew we were capable of it. And to your point, Lee, number one, this is our full-time thing. But number two, it's all based on 
the end goal. We want to have the most successful podcast ever in the self-improvement industry. And I don't do seven episodes a week because I want to. I genuinely, I don't want to do seven a week. Some days I show up and it's like, Alan and I are recording two today. So I'm on two shows. We're recording two. We have a team meeting and I have a coaching call. So today's like six or seven calls. And honestly, that's kind of a slow day compared to other ones. Now, five years ago, that would have crushed me into oblivion. So it's definitely elevated a lot, but it's all based on the goal. It's all based on how do we have as much impact as humanly possible for free. Seven episodes a week, every single day for free. That's the goal is to help as many people at the top of the business as we can. So it's all reverse engineered. And if you're out there and you're doing one episode, that's fine. You, that's maybe that's what you should be doing. You probably shouldn't be doing seven unless you want to burn to the ground. <laughs> couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I think I did three in a week. We'd had a mental health week once, which was yeah. ironic because I spoke, I spoke to mental health experts and put out three in a week. And it nearly made me have a breakdown. So it was <laughs> yeah. sort of counterintuitive. <laughs> um, the self-improvement. Now, when, um, so when I was on the radio, it was all about films because obviously I love films. And, mm-hmm. But I thought what I wanted to do is just talk to anyone like yourself, you know, because I think just people are amazing. Whereas you've gone down the self-improvement route, which, which really interesting. Tell us a little bit, what, why was that that you wanted? And I suppose that covers a lot of bases. Don't yeah. get me wrong, because everybody's improving all the time. But to, to be that number one self-improvement, what was it that, that made you think, mm, I want to I do it about that? Yeah, Alan and I both grew up without fathers. His father passed away in a car accident when he was two years old. My dad just kind of left, and I didn't really meet him until I was 27. And we didn't necessarily grow up in the most positive, virtuous environments. A lot of my family has been to jail. Uh, There's, there's been a lot of, you know, that type of stuff in my family. So we realized that what made the biggest difference for us was self-improvement. It was personal development. It was learning. And most people stop learning after school, myself included. I didn't start reading books and listening to books until I was 27. 26, right? Like that's a long time to go from high school to 26, from 18 to 26. I didn't learn anything for eight years out of a, out of a book or anything. So I believe, and Alan believes at a deep level that personal development, self-improvement, becoming a more capable human being allows you to become a more patient, a more intelligent, better habits, more sustainable, whatever it is. I think that improving yourself is the only way to improve your life sustainably. And when you improve your life, you have the opportunity to improve everybody's life around you. And I just think that if the people in my past had spent time working on themselves, I might not have a lot of the traumas that I have. Same for Alan. And this is the other thing too, Lee. Early in our journey, we talked to, and we still do this, but we talk to our listeners a lot. And most of our listeners were women, which I never expected. I mean, a a tattooed bodybuilder, I never expected women to listen to our show. It just wasn't what I expected. But when I talked to them, all of them had a common wound of low self-worth because they had been physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, verbally abused. All of them. Every single one I talked to had some sort of trauma. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Because the people who did that to them never worked on themselves. They never really looked in the mirror and said, you know what? 
I'm not confident. You know what? I never healed that childhood wound I have. I'm actually taking that out on somebody else. So I think that lack of self-awareness, lack of self-improvement, lack of personal development is the root cause for so much of the, the stuff that goes on in the world, in relationships. And our goal is to try to, to put an end to that as much as we can. Yeah. It's interesting what you said there about um, not having a father when you grow up, because I was the same. I didn't, mm. you know, my dad was a, a badden and he was usually in jail. And I think later in a lot, and, and it's interesting that you never sort of read a book to you later on, because same with me, you know, yeah. I had a lot of aspirations and got into filming, but never really got thought about myself or th- thought, you know, what do I know? What do I want to know? What do I want to yeah. learn until it was later on? And I do sometimes think back and think, if, I, if I'd had a dad, you know, maybe that's where I was missing because my mum was great. She was amazing. And, and it's funny how with my own kids, you know, I try and educate them, try and give them that wise, those wise little tippets and, and, and try and help them because I think oh, I was missing that. I was missing those little things. Yeah, but if you'd have asked me in my 20s, I would have said, didn't need a dad. You know, no. didn't didn't make a difference to me. But when you get older and you start having kids and that, you do think, yeah, I probably did miss out on that a little bit. Do you feel mm. the same? I I was very angry mm. for most of my life. I remember I used to I have punched so many concrete walls with my hand that like this hand is now bionic. <laughs> it just is now because I've just hit it so hard on so many things. I was just so angry. I was I wanted to fight. I wanted to drink. I just wanted to let it out. And I remember, and this moment changed my life forever. I I lived in New Hampshire at the time. I was sitting in my recliner and I didn't know that Facebook had a folder of messages that if somebody wasn't a friend, the message went to this like spam folder. I didn't know that. So one day I found that and I was cleaning it out. I actually got a message from my father's girlfriend. Wow. And she said, hey, I'm your father's girlfriend. He really, he'd really like to see you if that's something that you're open to doing. And I remember I dropped my phone. I fell on the floor and started crying because I was like, oh my goodness, do I have to do this? Like, is this a sign that I have to do this? And I texted one of my friends and I said, I think, I, I think this is something I have to do. I have to prove to myself that I'm capable of doing this. And my friend said, hey, do you want me to come with you? I said, mm, I have to do this. I have to do this on my own. I just do. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So we went and we met at a diner and I didn't even know what my dad looked like. I, didn't, I had no idea what he looked like. So I was sitting down and I saw a man walk past the window and I just knew, I said, that's my dad. Don't know how I knew, but I was like, that, I think that's him. Yeah. So he came in and sat down and we had a conversation and it was, it was difficult, of course. Yeah. And then I think we met one other time after then and we still text every once in a while, but it's really hard to try to adopt a relationship the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. You no, know, it's like, I haven't seen you in so many years. I can't just let you into my life in the capacity that is socially accepted or socially expected. I just, that's, I can't do that. So it, it was very difficult. And I think what that meeting did for me is it helped me realize he was just trying to figure it out. He didn't know. He probably didn't want to have a kid. That probably wasn't the plan. Could he have taken better ownership? Of course. But me holding on to that anger is not serving me. And let me take the positives from it that I have, my work ethic, 
the chip on my shoulder will always be there, but let me make sure that I'm using the chip and the chip isn't using me. So I'm way more understanding now than I ever was. And I, I think it's because I had the courage to go see him, which I never thought I would do. Yeah, that's an amazing story. That's a great Thank story. You. And it's like you say, I think probably when I had kids, when I met my wife, things changed for me because I was the same. I was always angry and drinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, you always have that, you have that turning point, don't you? And I think, it, and it's understanding the other person, like you just said, you you almost give, a, give some empathy to your dad to think, this is what he was thinking. This is what he wasn't being nasty. It's just the way he was. Um, yeah. Whereas before that, you would just have that hate and that rage and why, why, why. So I think that's really interesting. And something that resonated with me where you said there is the Facebook thing because, and I mean, this is me telling you a quick story and I'm interviewing you, but on on Facebook, uh, I got a message. Um, My dad died when I was 14, very young. It was a bit of a, he was a bit of a naughty boy and uh, things didn't go too good for him. Mm -hmm. And about uh, six, seven years ago, I I went on Facebook, that that junk folder. Mm. I was getting, there was loads of crap and there was one. And it said, was your dad, uh, Malcolm Thomas Dudley, my dad's name? And I thought, that's strange. So I opened it because before you can't see who it is and then you open it and then you can message each other. And it it had been in there about two years. So I messaged back and I says, yes, why? And he says, I think that's that's our dad. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So, So we had a bit of a conversation. I saw a picture of him. And I was like, and my wife just went, he's your brother, fuck me. Mm-hmm. And I went and met, and yeah, he was, uh, my dad was a bit of a naughty boy and he had another child. And uh, so, you know, I've, I've gained a brother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get on really well now. And and it's crazy how these things happen, isn't it? You know, I could have just deleted that and probably never met him. But so everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> same same as you. I think the message was like two years old when I found it. Yeah, yes. It's it's but, interesting, Lee. You and I are very, very similar in, in ways that <laughs> I, I did not I did not expect, but I'm glad. I'm very grateful. What's the name I'm of your dad? <laughs> <laughs> Richard. Richard. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in America. Shit. <laughs> so I mean the self-improvement thing is, is brilliant and and talking to women I could I can understand that what yeah. do you think what do you think the biggest thing is with with helping with self-improvement because there's so many things now we talk about mental health a lot and, and it's to talk which is is so important you've done so many podcasts now what's your feeling feeling on that side of things I think the biggest thing is probably self-awareness mm. Because it's ego, really. It really is ego at the end of the day. Whether ego is me jumping up and saying something mean or me shelling up and trying to protect myself, all your ego is doing is protecting you. In some way, shape, or form, oftentimes the ego that we see is the lash out. So there's either we say there's a puffer fish or a turtle shell. The puffer fish is the one who gets angry, wants to fight, that was me. And the turtle shell is somebody who just recluses into the corner and doesn't feel good enough. And I think if you can figure out, okay, what is my, what is the way I usually go? What is my default setting? My default setting is blank. How do I fight that? You can turn your life around. Your life looks completely different. And I think you just have to understand that 
you got to be real with yourself. I'll tell this quick story. Alan and I were in California and we were at a mansion. Okay. We, we were interviewing somebody who we'd had on the show before. His name is Brant Pinvidic. He was the producer of The Biggest Loser, um, Most Extreme Weight Loss, and Bar Rescue. Three very big shows in the United States. I don't know if they made it over there. But we were at his house, and we interviewed him. And we go outside, and he said, hey, guys, I want to cook for you. Every time somebody comes to my home, I cook for them. And we were like, all right, let's, let's do that. That sounds cool. And he rolls out this grill on wheels, puts on a chef hat, and proceeds to cook for us like Benny Hanna style. And we're like, this is awesome. And after that, he started talking about business with Alan. And Alan has an MBA. Alan was electrical and computer engineering at one of the best um, universities in the world. So Alan is a genius, very, very intelligent, understands business at a deep, 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 deep level. And they were talking about business. And I got super insecure, very insecure, uncomfortably insecure, where I'm at a mansion by the pool in California. I should be living my dreams, but I didn't, and I didn't know why. And I had to check in with a self-awareness. I feel insecure because I don't feel good enough. What do I have to do? And I said, Alan, what do I do? And he said, you got to learn. Like, let's learn business. And that was a, a huge turning point in my life where every day since then, I've learned at least for a half hour. Every single day, I'm listening to a book for at least a half hour. Saturday, Sunday, every day, because I checked in with, what if I'm not good enough yet? Intrinsically as a human being, I know I'm valuable, but I'm just not knowledgeable enough on business. I'm not. And I don't want anybody to tell me I am. That's not helping me. So that level of self-awareness allowed me to say, hey, you got to get your stuff together here. You got to, if you really want to play at the level you want, you got to check in on this. And I just think, my ego didn't try to protect me. It did, but I, I knew how to counteract it. I got insecure. I said, that's not right. Let me ask Alan. Alan told me the truth and that changed my life. So I think that that level of self-awareness can really do things for you. It's difficult for sure. And it sucks looking in the mirror and realizing you're not as smart as you thought or whatever, but you're only hurting yourself if you don't find out the truth. Yeah. I th- and I think the worst thing you can, what you've done there is amazing because you've noticed it, you've mm. gone back and you've worked on it. Some people will not work on it. They'll walk away from that conversation. They'll feel, you know, gutted, negative. They'll mm. sleep. They won't sleep. And they'll never, never try and work on it and, and find out why. And I think that, you know, years down the line, that can really affect someone. The best thing you can do is think, and like you say, self-awareness. Why was I feeling like that? What could I have done? What can I change? And that's a brilliant thing when you've got that self-awareness to do that. Because if you don't, it will carry on with you for the next mm-hmm. 10, 20 years. So think about it. And I think that's one thing about this day and age now. We are a lot more self-aware. Yeah. We are understanding ourselves a lot better. You know, mental health is a massive example. Understanding ourselves better and not being scared to say, you know, I'm crap at this. I'm not very good at this. I'm rubbish. Because people won't, ju- good people won't judge you. Good mm-hmm. people won't say, oh, well, you know, your mate didn't turn around and say, well, you just ain't clever. You know, he said, this is what you need to do. And good people will do that. And that, that makes people thrive. Do you think? Yeah. And I think that it will help you in every single relationship mm-hmm. you have in life. The relationship with yourself, of course, but 
imagine if you and your partner have an argument or you and your friend have an argument and then you say, why did that happen? And then you dig down a layer and you say, okay, well, why did that happen? And then you dig down a layer. And then when you get to the actual root of the problem, when you hear the words root cause, root cause is the actual cause of the problem. When you get there, you can not only solve the problem that is current, but you can prevent it from happening again because you know why it happened. I think that when you think of a tragedy, okay, like a building collapses or, you know, a car, they get recalled, something bad happens to a car, a plane crash, what happens? They figure out the root cause of the problem so it doesn't happen again. It's becoming more aware of what the problem was and then they prevent it in the future, hopefully. And I think we can do that as human beings as well. It just a lot of us run from the trauma or we have a trigger and we don't, we don't use that as the tragedy to, to make a difference. It's, we go back to default of it's shell up or puffer fish. And again, I've been both. So I very, I very much understand, but I can promise it is worth it. It's, it's worth doing it. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult to look in the mirror. I will not lie about that, but I will tell you that it's the most worth the most fulfilling it's going to help you become more aligned. It's going to help you with everything, with everything. Yeah. And, and I've always said that about uncomfortable, being uncomfortable because I remember the first, you know, many years ago, I had to go down London to do with film stuff on my own, didn't know anybody, was dreading it, thought about turning back many times. But I did it and I spoke to someone who I respected and they said, the be- you know, being uncomfortable is one of the best things you can do because you're growing. And it's not easy. Of course, it's not easy, but you will grow so much. And, and I feel that. And now whenever, and I try and tell my kids that whenever I feel, because I think we all get used to being nice and cozy and having mm-hmm. Netflix on the telly and, you know, everything's all, you know, but the reality is if we want to grow, put ourselves in a situation where we're like, we're before, you know, we're on a train and we're going somewhere and we're thinking, fuck, I'm going to, I'm going to get off. I'm not going to go. You've got to, because once you've done that, the feeling is just, it's, it's a static, isn't it? Afterwards, yeah. I'd come home and I'd be like, wow, wow. It's true, isn't it? That always yeah. happens, always. Yeah. And this is, the, this is the next layer of that. I think what a lot of people do is they jump. So imagine a bullseye. There's three circles. In the middle, the, the smallest circle is comfort zone. The next one out is learning zone. And then the furthest circle out is anxiety zone. You want to live in your learning zone. And then you want to visit anxiety and you want to visit comfort. Most people live in comfort and then they jump to anxiety and then they jump (laughs) back to comfort. That's what COVID did to most people. Yeah. I mean, I imagine we have uh, somebody on our team, Laura, who was a nurse in Spain during COVID, like during the time of COVID. I can only imagine how much anxiety zone time that was. When you go home, you're most likely not going to be working on your habits. You're just trying to get back to comfort. You're going to do whatever it takes to self-soothe. I think that a lot of people, we think that we have to do something unreasonably challenging. No, you just got to figure out where your learning zone is. You just got to figure out where your learning zone is. When I came to, when I went to England, that was anxiety zone. I hadn't flown in 20 years. I am terrified of planes. 
I've never <laughs> been to another country. <laughs> when we landed, my buddy, Andrew, I went with Andrew. He said, hey, Kev, um, we got four days and then we're going to fly back at this time on this day. And I was like, all right, that's not what my ticket says. And he said, what do you mean? I said, my ticket says we're flying back at 7 a.m. on Sunday. He's like, oh, I'm not flying back until 8 p.m. Sunday. I said, what do you mean? Like, what do you, what do you mean? So something happened and the tickets got, they got messed up. That's ultimate anxiety zone. I had to take the, the tube, right? Is that what it's called? The yeah, tube? Yeah, yeah. I had to take the tube from just outside the O2 arena, wherever yeah, we were staying. Yeah. And that was super anxiety for me. But now going, you know, taking a flight from Boston to Florida, that's learning zone stuff. It's easy now. It's easy. Yeah. So understand you got to figure out where your comfort zone is, where your learning zone is and where your anxiety zone is. An episode a week now for me is comfort. Mm-hmm. Eight episodes a week is learning. If I was to do fifteen <laughs> a week, that's anxiety. And again, it all starts in the comfort zone, though. Yeah, that's a great, great way to think of it. So, where do you see the podcast and everything in the future? I'm guess you just keep pushing and pushing, and you want to be sort of up there in the the number one. You know, is that yeah. is that where you see it? And part of that because the great thing is you're doing that while also helping people and talking to people is that is that what the future looks like for you so i have to be very humble in the fact that alan is the ceo and alan is the visionary behind a lot of what we're doing he just sees things years and years and years ahead so i always want to be humble with that but our goal is to double our money and double our listens every year so we want to do 500,000 in revenue for the next 12 months. And then our goal is to double that year over year over year. And then same with listens. For us, it's about profitability. It's about impact. It's about maximizing our potential. And if we can get better, a little bit better every single day in 10, 20, 30, 40 years, things shift drastically. So yeah, it's very much us do what we're doing now, but do it better, do it bigger, do it more effectively, more efficiently to more humans. The People say, what's your, well, I get the question a lot. Are you living your dream life? Because you, you're kind of doing what you said you wanted to do. And I definitely am. I'm very blessed. And my future dream life is just now, but exponential. It's just the same things, but two more humans for more money with a bigger impact is, is what we're playing for, for sure. Well, oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And I always ask more guests for a bit of advice. So it could be advice you've been given or that you would give somebody. Have you thought of anything for that? Oh man. I know there's uh, going to be loads. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite, and it's, it's a quote, but it, again, it, it makes yeah. you think, and that's always yeah. the point. Yeah. Are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? Mm. So many of us have the relationships in our lives that we have because we always have. I went to high school. I went to college. I went to middle school. What about the future though? Are these people actually going to help you accomplish what you want in the future, there's so many people out there who have these big goals and they can't even tell their closest friends what their goals are because they get laughed at. Those shouldn't be your friends. They shouldn't be. You should find somebody who, who cares about what your future looks like more than your past or who wants to see you aspire to the levels of greatness that you want to have. And I know a lot of people are afraid to be left behind. So it's not that they're bad or they're negative, but really check in with that. The, the big thing that has helped me over the last five years 
is I've really only surrounded myself with people who believed in me and people who are on a similar mission. And I know that they're helping me get to the future. And that's one of the reasons that we're moving as fast as we are. That's, that is. So are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? Difficult question, I know, but that's something that can unlock a lot of potential and opportunity in your life. And I totally get that. It almost takes us back to the uncomfortable thing because I've met some of the most amazing people that I know through the, the times when I was being uncomfortable. And I met that stranger or that person at that, you know, that training thing that I never wanted to go to. And they're all because, yeah, we've got friends and family. And of course, we've got friends and family. But your friends and family don't do podcasts, you know, what's a podcast? What are you doing that for? You know, so when you go somewhere where podcast is the main theme, that's when you meet those those brilliant people and positive positive what, what i found is positive people yeah. Yeah. yeah and again this never would have happened if you and i weren't doing what we're doing mm, yeah true right? it never it never would have happened and this has been a, a genuine pleasure i'm this has been awesome Lee. i very much enjoy you your personality your positivity Good. you're the type of type Good. of person i can hang out with so i, I very much yeah enjoy well, that's what i try and do and finally i'll just ask people for their favorite so it could be a tv show a film or something a book just something people could access that you might might want to tell us uh favorite book hmm for most humans i think that mindset by by carol dweck it's oh, all right. about having a, a growth mindset and a fixed mindset that's such a powerful book for somebody I've heard of that. Um, and then Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a good one. I know it's a, it's a classic, but financially, we're not really taught what to do. Mm. It's just most people aren't taught how to be financially free. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a really good one for that. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't even think of that. I have seen that before, which is a lot better than spending 20 years wasting your money on shit and then realizing, <laughs> it's like, yep. oh, right. Been there. I didn't need those pair of uh, Lacoste loafers, <laughs> white loafers that cost me 200 pounds. No, nope. No. Nope. If people want to get in touch or, or, or listen to your podcast, where can they go, Kevin? Yeah, so we're on all the major podcast platforms. Uh, all of them, just search Next Level University. We're also on YouTube. All of our episodes are up there. And then if you want to reach out, Kevin Palmieri on Facebook or LinkedIn and at NeverQuitKid on Instagram. Instagram is the best place to reach me. I'll send you a video back. Yeah, And cool. I look forward to chatting. I'll put I'll put the link in the show notes. Please, thank you, thank you. Well, look, Kevin, it's been an app. We are, uh, you know, you meet people and you think I could have spent five hours talking to you. To be fair, <laughs> and it, it's been an absolute joy. So you know, make sure you keep in touch and and we'll have to talk again. But it's been an absolute joy, you know. And uh, take care and look after yourself. You as well, Lee. It's a pleasure. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Kevin for joining me today and also to you for listening. Make sure you follow the podcast over the next few months because there are going to be some more extraordinary interviews and guests just like Kevin. Uh, the podcast is streaming on all the usual platforms, iTunes, Spotify. So please give it a like, subscribe, rate, whatever you can do is just all good for the show. Now, there is a 20-minute clip it on YouTube, which I always put on, and also on Facebook. We're on Facebook, My Way Thinking Podcast, and Instagram, well, What Podcast. And finally, run out of saliva. Finally, if you want to get in touch or you think you'd be a great guest or know someone would be a great guest, then drop me an email. It's my what podcast at AOL.com. Okay, I hope you really enjoyed that chat. Make sure you stick around for next week because there's another cracker coming up. Uh, until next time, God bless and take care. 